Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to the Tomorrow's Tune In podcast. I'm your host, Chris Marshall, and this is show number 13 for the month of October 2008. Today in the show, we got a great interview with Hawkman companion Doug Zavisha. Doug talks about all the special features involved in this companion, and boy, are there a lot of them. <laughs> if you guys are Hawkman fans, you know about the convoluted history. In fact, we say that word a lot today on the show, convoluted. We talk about the history of Hawkman in all his incarnations, whether it be from the Golden Age, whether it be from the Silver Age, or even today in the Modern Age in the current JSA storyline, or even with the Rand Thanagar Holy War, that comes up too. So we cover Hawkman in all his incarnations, uh, from Spaceman to Reborn Egyptian Prince. But uh, stay tuned for that, because it's a fun little romp around the DC universe and DC history. Let's get to the news first, however. And thanks to everybody who came out to see us at the Baltimore Comic Con. I know John Morrow had a great time, along with many of our staff and editors, and we look forward to seeing you there again next year. And thanks to everybody who downloaded the Gary Owens special that I put up just a few weeks ago. My thanks go out to Richard A. Scott for conducting the interview, and also, of course, John Morrow and Michael Urie of Back Issue Magazine. For more information, please go to the Tomorrow's blog at tomorrows.com. And if you do come by the blog, please subscribe with your current RSS reader. That is the best way to keep in touch with all the happenings here at Tomorrow's, whether it be on the blog side or over on the Tomorrow's TuneIn side. You'll get all the latest information and also keep up to date on the latest specials that we are offering at Tomorrow's each and every month. Let's get to the upcoming release list here for October. First up, we have Rough Stuff number 10 for $6.95, 100 pages. Rough Stuff number 10 gets deep into the minds and processes of the top artists in comics with interviews, articles, never-before-seen pencil pages, sketches, layouts, roughs, and unused inked pages from throughout comics history, plus critiques of newcomers' work and more. This issue features an interview with the amazing Ron Garney showing copious examples of his sketchwork, complete with Ron's comments. There's also art and commentary-filled features on Andy Smith, Michael Jason Paz, and Matt Haley, showing how their work evolves from concept to rough into finished form, plus excerpts from the new book Alex Raymond, His Life and Art by Tom Roberts. Sequential Art 101 with the Secrets of Teaching Comic Art by Rough Stuff editor and pro inker Bob McLeod, plus a new cover by Garney and McLeod, and a rough critique of a promising newcomer, and more. This book is edited by Bob McLeod. And when you order the print edition off of Tomorrows.com, you get a free link to the digital edition, which will be on the confirmation page at checkout. Please note the digital edition of this issue is available separately for only $2.95 off of the Tomorrows.com website. This book will be in stores on Wednesday, October 15, 2008. And speaking of Nick Cardi behind the art, yep, that book is finally coming out. I know it's a little bit delayed, but hey, don't fear. It is coming out on Wednesday, October 22nd. Of course, this book is... We've talked about this book before on the Tomorrow's Tune In podcast number nine, in which I interviewed Nick Cardi and editor Eric Nolan Wethington. So go back and check that out. But yeah, a lot of people are finally looking forward to this book coming out, uh, including me. Another book coming out on Wednesday, the 22nd, right now, number 19, 
for $6.95. This will be 80 pages. Right now, number 19 is a special Batman the Dark Knight issue featuring the great photo cover of Christian Bale as the Dark Knight. It features the Dark Knight and Spirit Executive Producer Michael Uslan on the writing process for films, Denny O'Neill on adapting the Dark Knight movie to novel form. That's kind of interesting. There's also Brian Michael Bendis, and who doesn't like Brian Michael Bendis these days? His script and pencils from Marvel's Secret Invasion Number 1. Mystery Comics writer Max Allen Collins discusses his career and upcoming projects. Mark Miller's script and Brian Hitch pencils from their upcoming run on Fantastic Four. There's a Dan Slott script and a Steve McNiven pencil from Spider-Man's Brand New Day. There's also inside information on DC's online Zuda Comics imprint from Ron Pezzera. Alex Grecian talks about the making of his Image comic series Proof, which is very popular right now, and a whole lot more. Right now, number 19 is edited by Danny Fingeroth. Then finally this month, Jack Kirby Collector number 51, due out in stores on Wednesday, October 29th for $9.95. This is going to be 84 pages. It's a bombastic Everything Goes issue in Jack Kirby Collector number 51. We spotlight a wealth of great submissions that couldn't be pigeonholed into a regular theme issue. The issue leads off with a rare interview with Jack Kirby himself, followed by new interviews with two of the hottest artists in comics, Jim Lee and Adam Hughes. That's pretty cool. Discussing how Kirby influenced them. And in addition to the numerous articles on all things Jack, there's Mark Ebenier's regular column about his former boss, two huge Kirby pencil art galleries, a complete Golden Age Kirby story, and two unpublished Kirby covers and more. This book is edited by John Morrow. And then, of course, we have the Hawkman Companion coming out in late October. And let's get to the interview right now with Doug Zavisha, and I'll catch you on the way back. All right, I'm here with Doug Zavisha, and we are going to talk about his new book called The Hawkman Companion, which is probably much needed, Doug, in <laughs> the convoluted history of Hawkman, eh? Unfortunately, it's gotten a little more convoluted since I started working on it, though, <laughs> with uh, Starlin's special and yeah, uh, all the action going on with Hawkman and Trinity and also in JSA. Well, we'll get to that a little later on, but uh, tell me a little bit about your background in the comics field or the writing field and how you came to be on this project. All right. Um, I had actually started writing, well, in the comics field, it's something that I've wanted to do forever, you know, get into comics, uh, which I'm pretty sure every fan has wanted to get into comics one way or another. And at some point you realize that that's more of a, a pipe dream than a reality. Uh, I think Jeff John said it best when he said that uh, in comics there are fewer people actually writing comics than there are players in the NBA. <laughs> so if you put it into that perspective, you know, your chances of making it, especially since I'm 5'9", are pretty slim. <laughs> you know, not that height would have anything to do with writing comics. But at any rate, I got uh, hooked into writing through what was originally jeffjohns.com, and it became comicblock.com. Um, it's a site that was put together for Jeff Johns specifically, but after people started coming there and it started becoming more of a community around the, the forum there, it became comicblock.com, and Dustin Davis and uh, Josh Hammond spun it off a little bit and wanted to make it kind of a non-traditional comics news site. 
and uh, by no means were they ever trying to or wanting to compete with like a newsarama or a comic book resources or anything of that nature but they did want to kind of overturn some rocks and and play up the the fact that comic block was always just very strong with its community so i started writing there just doing some reviews and started looking for ideas for interviews and as it so happened i believe i want to say it was like 2005 it may have been 2006 i'd have to check the the date on it but uh motor city comic con george perez was coming to it so i figured hey this is the best chance i'm going to have at an interview for anywhere and what a great one to start with so i uh, had made some arrangements to actually spend some time talking with mr perez while he was here at motor city comic con and that experience was just it was absolutely amazing and eye-opening he let me come back behind the table with him while he was signing things for fans and doing sketches and just kind of spent the day sitting there with him talking to him knocking out this interview and from there i just kept doing interviews as i would come across things and doing reviews for comic block and after a while uh comic block got a little hung up as far as everybody was kind of doing their own thing and it was uh starting to to fade away a little bit um during that time, I had also connected to uh, Chris Irving, who had uh, taken care of the Blue Beetle Companion for Tomorrow's. Got to talking with him about uh, what he went through to get involved with the Companion series. And uh, just in discussions with him, both over the phone and through email and chat and all that, it, it came to my attention that there might be a way for me to maybe take some of my energy and put it into one of these companions, my, some of my energy, my passion for the characters. So I sat down and started making a list of characters I'd want to write about, and right at the forefront of my mind were Hawkman and Flash. So I started writing ideas underneath each, and it occurred to me as I was writing Hawkman how much faster that column was filling up, just based on the fact that he had had these multiple lives. Um, he had had, if you look at the, the artists that have worked on both titles, there are no slouches on either. Mm -hmm. And with Hawkman, though, very quickly people are dialed into either Murphy Anderson or Joe Kubert or Rags Morales, mm -hmm. whereas with Flash it takes a moment and then people start thinking of maybe Carmen Infantino or you know some of the other artists that kind of used Flash as really a springboard into further career. Um, you know, Mike Waringo, Carlos Pacheco spent some time there, as did uh, Sal LaRocca. Um, Howard Porter came through Flash. So as I was just kind of going through it, it occurred to me that Hawkman really had a lot of meat on the bones, literally, that could be uh, delved into a little bit. So with that, I decided to run an outline uh, past both Chris, and he was eventually going to take it to John. And from there... Um, Literally from the outline, John approved it, and we moved forward with the book, uh, which eventually became the Hawkman Companion, which should be hopefully due out at the end of the month here. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's kind of how that book came to be, and how I got involved with uh, with the book specifically. Since that time, working on that book in tandem, I've also been starting to do reviews and uh, some some panel coverage for conventions for comic book resources. So oh, excellent. Got a little bit here, a little bit there, kind of all over the place. 
Well, let's talk about, before we get into the, the meat of the book here, let's talk about the cover because unlike the other companion books that we have at Tomorrow's, and, and you know this, uh, the cover for Hawkman has got really all the different incarnations of Hawkman, and, and that really tells about the character because of his multiple lives that you just alluded to. Can you talk about the cover? Well, that cover was such an adventure. Um, originally, what I wanted to do with the cover was I had this grand, glorious idea of a, a Rags Morales cover, and it would be like the old JLA, JSA team-ups, where you would have the heads down one side and then down the second side, and, you know, maybe some heads just floating across the bottom. And in the middle, you know, the JLA uh, team-ups with the JSA, where they used to have the big scene, the action scene, right in the middle. And unfortunately, what I had planned was, you know, to have Hawkman down one side, Hawk Girl, Hawk Woman down the other, and then their their foes across the bottom. And I thought, you know, this would be great. But Rags was uh, unavailable to handle the cover work at that point. And what eventually happened was I started just really banging my head against the wall as far as who would handle the cover. Um, threw some names out to John. He gave me some feedback on all the names that I threw out. But at that same time that I was trying to figure out the cover, Cliff Chang came to the forefront with his work on uh, on the Dr. 13 backup mm -hmm. uh, that eventually was collected uh, into Architecture and, and Mortality, uh, his work there with Azarella. And while that was happening, somewhere, I'm not sure how they exactly overlapped, but I also became aware that Cliff was working on Green Arrow, Black Canary. And that just occurred to me, well, how ironic would it be to have Cliff, who's drawing Green Arrow, Black Canary on a regular basis, draw a cover for Hawkman when everybody knows how historical the, the two have gone at it, Hawkman and Green Arrow, mm -hmm. just as far as they're, they're bickering back and forth um, and, and sniping at each other. On top of which, when the book was originally scheduled to be released, uh, what was going to happen was it would be almost coincidentally timed with what would be a collected edition for the first story arc of Green Arrow, Black Canary. And, and knowing the push that DC had behind that book, I just suspected that you know fans could potentially walk into the comic shop, see the collected edition of Green Arrow, Black Canary, and on the shelf would be the Hawkman companion. So I got in touch with Cliff, and he was more than agreeable to do the cover. Unfortunately, though, he had a different vision for the cover. And uh, I just got to say that the, the vision that he put forth, which is what the cover finally is, is this uh, flock of hawk people <laughs> flying at the viewer. And uh, originally in my discussions with Cliff, we were talking over the phone, and he said, no, 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 you don't want to do the heads down the side. That's kind of boring. And then you have this thing in the middle, and that's going to be boring too. Why don't we have just a bunch of hawks flying? And I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of boring to me, Cliff. But he did a, a real quick sketch sent it over to me, and that real quick sketch could have been the cover for what it was worth. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And you could tell that he didn't use anything uh, real particular. It was just literally for Cliff, a real quick sketch. But, you know, for all I know, he could have been using Crayola markers yeah. and yeah. just pounded this thing out, and it just looked absolutely fabulous. So I called him back and said, Cliff, I'm sorry that I ever doubted you. Go ahead. This looks great. So Cliff did the front cover. And then what happened was uh, with the back cover, I wanted to do, again, another uh, artist who maybe isn't as worldly wide or worldwide known as being a Hawkman artist as he is just being an artist or a cr comic creator. 
And so I went to David Peterson uh, of Mouse Guard. Oh, very cool. He's a local guy, yeah. Exactly. And he's another local guy that I had interviewed uh, back when I was working with Comic Block. And Dave and I had, we've got a, a shared history in that we both went to Eastern Michigan. Uh, we both had the same art history profs. We both had the same, very similar, or not very similar, but uh, many of the same instructors through our art major. Uh, but I, I graduated from Eastern, I think, two or three years before David. So at any rate, we had this shared history. We've been going back and forth for a while. And I had just emailed him and said, you know, I'm looking for a back cover artist. Would you be at all interested in drawing Hawkman? Sent him an email somewhere around like 9.30 or 10 at night. The next morning, I went to check my email, and it was 6 o'clock in the morning. He had sent a finished drawing, the finished drawing that actually wound up on the back cover at 2.30 that morning. Oh, Jesus. So he took the original email, just sat down, cranked something out, sent it to me, and said, hope you like it. And sure enough, I mean, it's the back cover is every bit as fabulous as the front cover. And I think taking two artists that have never been known for working on this character and giving them this character as basically an assignment, it, it gave them something exciting to do. And it also, I think, gave the fans something exciting to enjoy visually. Ah, very cool. I haven't seen the back cover yet, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing the whole thing off. Yeah, together. exactly. I tell you that much. <laughs> well, let's talk about the book. And as we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, Hawkman, in all of his incarnations from the 1940s up until today, I mean, his history has been so convoluted. And, you know, where do you start with this book? You know, you obviously have to start at the Golden Age, but then to take it from there through the the JSA and his own series in Flash Comics and then through the revamping of, you know, Earth 2 and, and uh, you know, the, the space policemen up and through the modern age and today, you know, how do you set a book like this up when it's not as, as finite, say, as, uh, you know, you've got a Jay Garrick and then you've got a Barry Allen and then Wally West. You know, how do you, how do you piece this book together? Well, to, to complicate it even more, Hawkman's been covered quite a bit in the, the uh, All-Star Companions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roy Thomas had a, a fabulous article in the first one, and I think it even spilled over a little bit more into the second All-Star Companion. But what I sat down to do was I sat down and, and just wanted to give a history of the character. Uh, so I sat down and, and just thought it through. Well, where did Hawkman start? Well, he started with Flash Comics number one. But really, he started before that as either, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a tribute or maybe it was slightly um, less noble than a tribute to the Hawkman in the Flash Gordon comic strip. Okay. And really when I got into working with the stuff from Flash Comics and looking at some of the stuff from Shelley Moldoff, you can see a lot of swipe there, whereas, and Shelley even admitted as much in the interview for the book, but you wouldn't necessarily think that, or at least most people nowadays wouldn't necessarily think that, because they're not seeing Flash Gordon as source material, they're just kind of seeing Flash Gordon as this also ran, or this book that was also over here. And until you really start digging into it, you, you don't realize just how much that Alex Raymond Flash Gordon strip influenced just so very much of the entire comic book industry. Um, and, and, and to that point, I tried to throw in some, some of the swipe interest there, but you know, for lack of space, there was only so much that I was going to, to put forward to Flash Gordon. Um, and also, you know, it's not a book about Flash Gordon, but that's really where, where I started was with Flash Gordon. And then from there worked 
my way forward, uh, literally through time, which is essentially, in my mind, the only way that this character could be handled to logically make sense. Um, and that was through time as the character was published, not necessarily through time as the character existed. And along those lines, that's an area that I kind of ran out of space for in the book, was I, I really had this great idea for uh, a timeline of sorts for the character, and I wound up just kind of throwing together a timeline graphic at the back on the last page. And it, it really truly isn't what I wanted it to be, mm-hmm. but I think what was that, that timeline that was sacrificed, what the space was filled with, I think more than makes up for that piece not being there. And, you know, if there's ever a Hawkman Companion Volume 2, we can uh, certainly explore the timeline a little bit more in depth. Do you have uh, like recaps of all the different comic books as well? No, I didn't go issue by issue. Um, mm-hmm. I know some of the companions did do right. that, and I, I felt that the the importance of the character, rather than going issue by issue, especially when there's a lot of great collections like the Showcase Presents, uh, which have brought together all of the issues of Hawkman. Uh, the first volume, as well as his appearances in Brave and the Bold and his appearances in uh, Mystery in Space. You know, those Showcase Presents, you've got those, you can run out and get those for 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. you know. And and seeing as the companions have a limited space, you know, the fact that DC is, is taking care of the fans of Hawkman in such a manner as to have those Showcase Presents available, by all means, go ahead and get them. And I figured... Again, conserving the space for something that would be a, a little uh, less common. And what that was was really the, the meat of this book is uh, summaries of the series, certainly. But then I really get into uh, more, more of the interviews with the creators. I felt that was the most important piece here. And who are some of those interviews that you have in the book? Oh, I've got, <laughs> I've got uh, Shelley Moldoff, Jeff Johns, James Robinson... Kubert. Um, I got into interviews with, uh, gosh, uh, unfortunately I didn't get to Murphy Anderson. Uh-huh. Um, we just, our, our schedules just did not quite align. And I think uh, he got a little tired of playing phone tag and just <laughs> walked away from it at that point. Um, but I did also include interviews with Walt Simonson and uh, uh, Ryan Sook, Jimmy Palmiotti, uh, Justin Gray, uh, Steve Sadowski, pretty much everybody that I could get near to or get some time with, I did spend some time talking to him at the very least. Uh, Roy Thomas mm-hmm. gave me a very quick interview, Jerry Ordway, uh, Dan Jurgens. Uh, I originally started talking to Dan just solely as uh, background into Hawkman's piece in Zero Hour. Mm-hmm. But then in talking to Dan, we we just kept going. I mean, he's had a lot to say about the character, and I think that really comes through in this book, um, you know, where people just, they found a passion to talk about the character and just kind of kept going. Uh, other car- other creators that I did talk to, I talked to um, John Ostrander and Tim Truman, um, Bill Messner-Lebs, gosh, <laughs> pretty much everybody. What did uh, I'm curious to hear what Joe Kubert had to say, because he was there in the beginning, and he was also there at the revival of the character in the 1960s. Joe is very positive about the character all around. Um, however, he's had a lot in between. Yeah. So to say that uh, his, his, while his memory was very sharp, he couldn't necessarily furnish specific details. 
you know, like, oh, I drew that page sitting right. on the veranda back in 1962, <laughs> you know, anything to that nature. But he was certainly uh, agreeable and, and spent a lot of time and was very positive talking about the character, whereas um, some of the other creators, and this will show up in the text itself, weren't necessarily positive on what has transpired with the character and with their um, their dealings with the character in general. Has Hawkman been mishandled through the years or with his history and his continuity? What's your take on, on all that? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, well, you're, you're, currently you're probably the expert on, on Hawkman, so. Yeah, uh, the, the history and continuity for Hawkman, it, I think Jeff Johns did it right where he just basically took the story and said, okay, Hawkman has been reincarnated. That's really kind of all you need to know. Yeah. Let's go forward. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly he built on it a little bit, um, as well as James Robinson built on it a little bit. And and Tim Truman even came back and did one of the, the past live stories. And I think that that would have been a great angle to keep uh, kind of tracking down. But what happened in my mind or in my understanding is that DC wanted to make Hawkman a viable property again. And in order to do that, the, the current regime at DC seems to gravitate very heavily towards the Silver Age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in that case, it meant the space cop Hawkman. Um, and that said, with the whole infinite crisis and the one year later project that followed that, uh, some groundwork was laid to make Hawkman more of a space cop, as it were. But I think following that even more, since the title at that point switched over from Hawkman to Hawk Girl, it gave Hawkman this free pass where he was out and about and we didn't really have a track on him until uh, Walt Simonson brought it back together through the JSA Classified and showed that, yes, Hawkman spent that year on Thanagar helping set up the police force there. And then from that, uh, Hawkman kind of, he had a, a... a very low level of appearance until Jeff Johns once again brought back the Justice Society of America with uh, Alex Ross helping him out on that. Mm -hmm. And with that, Hawkman came back screaming to the forefront as part of the JSA, as he always has been. And I think what happened was DC kind of had two directions that they were going with the character. They wanted to put him back in space, but then Jeff Johns made, made a very strong point, and he always does, that the character truly does belong on Earth involved with the the JSA in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So that kind of led to the the Ranthanagar Holy War that uh, Jim Starlin's working on. Right. And from there, spinning off into the Hawkman special, which at the time that I was working on the book, uh, neither Ranthanagar Holy War nor the Hawkman special had been published. Um, And in my conversations with, with Starlin, which do appear in the the text itself, he kind of gives the clues as to what was going to happen in that special. And at the risk of spoiling it for folks, basically what happened is Starlin is trying to bring forth the Katar Hall identity and, and kind of push the Carter Hall, uh, the Golden Age Hawkman, as it were, back to the recesses a little bit and bring that, that uh, space cop uh, feel or vibe back into the book. Mm-hmm. Now, what plans DC has from there as far as the character uh, himself, I don't really know. Um, that's unfortunately a point that I had to stop 
the interviewing and the, the researching to work on the production of the book. Um, but uh, Fabian Nicieza and I may have completely butchered his name there, and, and Kurt Busick are using Hawkman quite uh, favorably in Trinity, mm-hmm. which is currently going on. So, again, you've got the, the dual text with this character. Is he a space cop or is he this... Uh, worldly wise character that's showing up in Trinity and able to help out and cast his lot with that group there. So it's, it's going to be an interesting uh, couple years here till DC figures out what they're doing with the character and how they're executing it. And I don't see any reason with the, the multiverse being back in play, why they couldn't essentially have both Hawkmen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's really kind of up to DC at this point. Yeah, they made it clear early on in the Silver Age when Hawkman did his second trial in Mystery in Space when he teamed up with Adam Strange that Ran and Thanagar and Hawkman and Adam Strange were, you know, living very close to each other. And, of course, like you alluded to, the the Ran-Thanagar War, and not only that, but Starlin's Cosmic Odyssey where they both of them played, played a role. Right. So, yeah, we, right. uh, we'll uh, kind of like wait and see. Starlin definitely has an... In- yeah, there's there's a hurry up and wait with this one. <laughs> Starlin definitely has an interest in the character, and as far as what he's going to do, you know, some of the the reaction that I've read, the, certainly uh, the reaction that I've written with regards to the special, it wasn't exactly what a lot of people expected. Um, you know, I think everybody kind of held uh, a high standard up for Starlin with regards to what he's done in the past, and uh, the fact that this new direction was only given you know 40 pages to spread its wings we weren't really given a whole lot of this is where hawkman's going to go nor were we really given much of a direction of this is what he is or isn't anymore Mm -hmm. so it it, it's again back to that that wait and see and i'm kind of curious as to whether or not dc is just going to wait until trinity finishes out and sees what that team has to do with the character and where the character is left after that point. But I, I'll be honest with you, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Anything else about the book you want to tell us? Um, <laughs> the book was uh, it was quite an adventure. Um, to the best of my knowledge, I think I'm the first person to work with two morals on one of these books and do not only a large mass of the writing, but also the design work for the book itself. Um, I, I went back to my experience as a graphic designer to utilize my design sensibilities and, and kind of work on the book as both designer and, and contributor. And I, in my mind, that was going to make it easier to kind of keep both things going. You know, you can design while you're writing. But in reality, I found it to be almost counterintuitive uh, in that, great, I've got this design. Unfortunately, I have eight pages worth of interview from Jeff Johns, and I only gave him four pages in the design itself. So then you're you're forced to kind of reflow things, resize things, edit out the interview as much as you don't want to, to make everything kind of come together. And and really, in the whole process of the book, it's been an, an enormous learning experience. Yeah. Um, and John and I have been talking about a way to follow this one up. And by follow this one up, I don't necessarily mean volume two hawkman i mean another companion um but that's a ways off at any rate very cool well doug thanks for joining us today and the hawkman companion will be out well it says on tomorrow's website on halloween october 31st and it retails for 24.99 go ahead 
Halloween's uh, on a Friday, so I'm wondering if it's going to be the Wednesday before or the Wednesday after. But at any rate, yeah. it should be out real soon here. Excellent. Especially in time for the holidays. Yeah, that'll be great. Great uh, great Christmas gift for sure. Indeed. All right, Doug. Well, Chris, thank you for your time. Cool. Thank you very much. My thanks again to Doug Zavisha for coming on the show today. Please go check out the Hawkman Companion. And if nothing more, just it's straightens everything out like we've been saying and it's something that anybody who is into continuity and who really likes the dc universe should really own this is going to be a really neat book and be sure to check out my podcast the collected comics library the comic book and trade paperback podcast my podcast is solely dedicated to news information and reviews on all sorts of comic book collected editions including dc comics archives marvel masterworks absolutes omnibuses and graphic novels and all other hardcover and softcover collected edition favorites. And be sure to come by the Tomorrows.com website for all the latest specials and news. Again, my name is Chris Marshall, and you can leave me questions and comments at CollectedComicsLibrary at gmail.com. And if you get a chance and you subscribe through this podcast through iTunes, please go to the iTunes podcast store and please leave us a review. We really appreciate it. So until next month, everybody, happy reading.